We're in a series called Impossible. This is the second week, and really it's just the second week of our church. So, so glad that you're here. Um, I know that it is um, a small group, but what we believe is, and what we see, the vision that we have, we have a vision for a church, not that just has a lot of people attending, but just that really, really has a large impact in Columbus. Um, God gave us a heart for Columbus, Ohio, and so we don't even necessarily want to start here. Here's, here's, and it's dangerous saying this. This is risky because if I say this and then it doesn't happen, then I look like an idiot. But I'll, I'll put that on God because he put the vision in our hearts, and, uh, and we're, we're believing him um, to allow us to impact all of Columbus by planting more than just this church. Um, I want to stay here for the rest of my life. I want to do this. I want to root for the Buckeyes for the rest of my life, and I want to laugh at Michigan losing to Michigan State for the rest (laughs) of my life. (laughs) Sorry. I know, I know. Bitter Michigan fan in the crowd. That's okay. Um, So we want to do this for the rest of our lives, and we know that, that 40 years is a long time to, to camp out in an elementary school, so we know that there's more. And so the fact that you're here now when it's just this essential, like, like family, right? Like it's, it feels like we could all fit in that house still, and, and we could, but we are going to grow, and we're going to uh, continue to serve. We're going to continue to partner with places like Stowe, and um, I just think that the sky's the limit. I really believe that the sky's the limit on what God is going to do through the people of Access Church and obviously through God um, connecting different people and um, the stories that we're going to be able to tell I think are crazy because it's impossible that we should be able to do this. It's impossible that uh, in my perspective coming from from Arkansas, right, where, where, where we told the story last week, we were student pastors in Arkansas, to, to be in an elementary school with chairs and a sound system and people, and there's wonderful kids, ministry volunteers taking care of our kids in the back. Like that, that was only something in my head. It wasn't something that was going to be easy to do. It's all impossible. I believe that God is going to do more and more and more impossible things, but I would say this. A lot of times our fears end up distracting us from what God wants to do in our lives. Our fears distract us from those impossible things. And think about those impossible things. Like what is it that you believe that God could do if you truly, truly, truly trusted that he could do it? What are the things that maybe if you look at your current circumstances, you would just say, I'm going to ride this one out for the rest of my life and it's just going to be this way. I wouldn't prefer it, but I don't know. Maybe God... Maybe God could take care of it, but our fears, sometimes we let our fears dominate. Sometimes we let our fears say that relationship will never be restored. It'll just never be restored, and I believe God can do the impossible. Sometimes we would say, I don't know if God could ever pull me out of my past struggles, my past addictions, and I believe God can do the impossible. Our fears get, so, so, so I, I just, I run the risk of asking this question, but I'll go ahead. What are just some things, and they're not serious things, but like when you think of like the funny things, what are some things that you're afraid of? Like literally just like you come, like my wife, my wife doesn't do stink bugs, right? I get called in to remove the stink bugs and we try to remove them without killing them because their scent attracts other stink bugs, I hear. Maybe that's just a myth, I don't know. Okay, um, what, are, what are some things we're afraid of? Spiders, okay? Snakes. Okay, anything else? Spiders and snakes. Clowns. Clowns, <laughs> clowns in unison. Okay, let's all say clowns. Um, I was in Walmart in Arkansas at 1 a.m. one night. 
and saw a clown walking down the aisle. Nope. I'm gone. I don't need anything that I came here for. I'm gone. I'm gone. Um, so I brought a couple of videos. I wanted to show you this. The spider thing resonates with me. Um, we'll show a video here just in a, in a second. But with this, the spider thing resonates with me because, is the spider video back there? Let me show that because that was like my, yeah. Anyone else? So we went to the, um, we went to the Dublin Rec Center for Spooktacular this last weekend, and they had these, and they were letting people hold them. And if you notice, that thing is big enough for two hands. <laughs> That's a big spider. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't like spider. I, I don't like spider. In fact, I, I don't like spiders. I can handle them. I don't know about you. But when I have to deal with one, or specifically when one is on the spider, have you ever had this moment where one is on the ceiling? And you, and you reach for it, and then you don't get it, and it falls? That's the worst. That's the worst. Okay, I have an, another video. Anyone afraid of heights in here? Okay, so this video right here, right, these people are the craziest of the crazy. Can you imagine? And look, this guy's just like, I'm hungry, so I think I'll have a banana on top of a skyscraper, right? And I'll just stand here. I can't imagine why anyone would want to do that. Ugh, crazy. Okay, because he's a Ravens fan. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, so we all have things we're afraid of. We have things that we're afraid of. We have things that, and legitimate fears. I have things that I'm afraid of that I would say sometimes are, are more real to me sometimes than God's promises. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Um, if you want to turn your Bible to Matthew 14, if you don't have a Bible, no big deal. We'll have scriptures on the screen here in just a minute. Matthew chapter 14. Last week we were in John chapter 6. We talked about Jesus feeding the 5,000, and it was a pretty, pretty good day. If you read this, the, all the Gospels together, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell the same story from four different perspectives. Um, if you read them all kind of in a parallel sense, what we're talking about today happens like right after the feeding of the 5,000. So, so this is part two. Um, this is really just following up with last week's story. So last week, Jesus feeds the 5,000. He's already tired. Remember, we said we, we the setting um, in the book of, I think it was Mark, it said when the day was wearing away. So it's like night. And these people haven't eaten and they haven't brought food. So Jesus does the miracle, right? And so in my mind... Jesus is already exhausted. The disciples are, are already exhausted. No, he's got another miracle in the hopper that he's about to pull out. So, so we're in Matthew chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 22, and we're going to read to about 33. Immediately, right after the 5,000, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. In the fourth watch of the night, you might, you might note that's like 3 to 6 a.m. Um, in the fourth watch of the night, which nothing good happens then, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. 
That's a highlightable verse for me. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. But Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. They worshipped him, obviously, because they were not the ones that just failed. I, I want to know what Peter was doing in that moment, right? Soaking wet from his mistake and, and faithlessness. So, so we have this story about Peter, and we give Peter a hard time. I think we mentioned that last week. Um, so Peter in, it gets, um, gets this boldness and says, if it's you, command me to come out. There's five things in this story that I want to talk about. There's, there's probably 5,000 things in this story that we could talk about, but, but I'd like to zero in on five things. Five things that we can learn from this, from this passage. First of all, and this is, maybe, this is maybe the bad news for you, right? Because maybe this is a, a mind change for you, is that Jesus sent them into the storm. Right? On purpose, knowing the storm was coming, Jesus sent them. On purpose, intentionally, Jesus sent them into the storm. So I, I want to ask, what is it exactly that you're going through right now that you would consider a storm in your life. Maybe it's not a physical storm. Maybe it's a relational, a financial, a job storm, whatever it is. What is God um, sending you into today? Now, interestingly enough, if you've read the Bible and you know, so like the story of Jonah, the story of Jonah has a lot of parallels here because Jonah was called by God to go preach to the city of Nineveh, but he runs, right? Where does he run? He runs to get on a boat and go to Joppa. Um, he goes and he gets in the boat and he gets tossed overboard. Long story short, gets swallowed by a whale. Things are not, not any better for him, right? He could have just obeyed, but he ends up swimming around in the, the belly of a fish. I mean, just think about how disgusting that is. Think about, like, think about, like, I don't even like, um, like, preparing, like, raw chicken for, like, a meal. Like, Think about being inside of a fish in the ocean. And in the Jewish mindset, the ocean represented chaos to them. So this is the worst of the worst, right? Being in the ocean inside of a sea creature. And it gets worse. He gets vomited on the beach, right? It's, it's the worst. The difference between this story and Jonah's is that Jonah was running and that the disciples were being obedient. So if you're in a storm... Let me just give you some good news and some bad news. Bad news, bad news first, people. I'm bad news first, people. Um, I like the good news to come at the end and kind of right, give me a little bit of reprieve from the bad news. Bad news, Jesus sent you there. It's, it's entirely possible that Jesus says, no, I'm going to send you into this tough season. But the good news is not necessarily right, that you did anything wrong to deserve it. There are storms of correction in Jonah's life. Jesus sent the storm, right? Jesus, up, literally the word is appointed the fish. He picked a fish out and swallowed Jonah. Like God essentially scheduled all of that and appointed all of that. But there are storms of perfection, right? That's what these guys were going through, right? They're, they're, they're into the storm. They didn't do 
anything wrong. They're just doing what God asked them to do, and they get into the boat, they hit a storm, and they did nothing to deserve it, right? Other than just being Jesus' disciples. Good news. If you follow Jesus, it might, might not all be rosy, right? It might not all be cupcakes and rainbows. Um, sometimes we're going to encounter some tough times. That's the bad news. The good news, Jesus was with them the whole time. With them the whole time, even when he was praying. Do you think maybe for a minute that maybe he was praying for them the whole time? Who knows? Who knows if he was speaking to his heavenly father about what was about to occur, right? I believe that Jesus, in his human sense, probably didn't know some things, and his, in his God sense, knew some things. I knew that the storm, the storm was coming, and Jesus sent them into the storm. He's with them the whole time. Understand this, that when Hebrews 13.5 says that I will never leave you or forsake you, that's a promise that we can stand on. That is a promise that we can stand on, right? So the, surprise, the, the, the storm doesn't surprise Jesus, um, you know, and, and he's, he's with them the whole time, even when he comes to them. Interestingly enough, if you read Mark's account, so this, this story is in Matthew, Mark, and John. You can read all different portions of it, and you'll get different pictures. Mark's account is the only one to say that Jesus actually intended to pass them by. That's interesting, that's interesting, right? And, and the fact that they thought he was a ghost, I understand. Maybe the storm, the, the gale winds were so strong that they couldn't physically see him, so they thought he was a ghost, which puts you in their heads a little bit. Like grown men, this is a ghost walking on the water, right? What do you tell your children? Ghosts are not real. They're make-believe. And I've got a five-year-old back there in the kids' ministry, and I've got a three-year-old back there in the kids' ministry, and my five-year-old keeps telling my three-year-old that these things exist, right? Like, intentionally terrorizing his, his middle child younger brother like it's the worst. Um, they think he's a ghost, but he's with them the whole time. He's with them the whole time. Uh, the third thing that I want to point out is that Jesus invites Peter to step into the miracle, Jesus invites Peter to step. This is my favorite part. This is my favorite part. Jesus invites Peter to step into the miracle. It, and it's so interesting that Peter is the one that speaks up, right? Lord, if it's you, call me to come out on the water. And he says, come. And Jesus invites Peter to step into the miracle. I wonder what it is in our lives today that God is calling you to step into and be a part of. Right, because everyone, um, everyone wants to see a miracle. Everyone wants to experience one. But I don't think a lot of us want to, to need one. Does that make sense? I think a lot of us want to see something amazing happen. We want to see the feeding of the 5,000. I guarantee there's not a lot of us that want to be drowning with a hand up, hoping that Jesus is going to grab it. Because maybe this is the point in Peter's mind, there's a half second, I guarantee there's a half second, where Peter's like, I wonder if this is how I die, because I'm like faithless. Can you imagine? I just, I go over and over in my head about the things that Jesus does to consistently and constantly show us, I love you, I'm with you, I'm for you, I'll rescue you, right? I invited you. <laughs> I invited you to do this. You did it. You had a little bit of a hiccup. I get it. But I'm here. He's with them the entire time. He invites Peter to step into the miracle. There's no earthly way 
there's no earthly way that Peter survives this moment. Right? Because none of us have tried this. Maybe when you were kids. Maybe when you learned this in kids' ministry as a child if you grew up in church. And then you go like out to the pool in the backyard. And you're like... You know, and you're kind of doing this thing, and like you're checking to see if anyone's watching because you don't want to look stupid, and, and, and you, kind of, you kind of try this. There's no earthly way that Peter survives this moment. The only way that Peter survives this moment is if he walks by faith. And just because Jesus isn't inviting us to step onto literal water on Monday morning, right? But we are going to wake up, and we're going to choose to trust God with our life, or to take it into our own hands, right? When we say, oh, I walk by faith and not by sight, maybe we, we sing songs on, on, on the radio that have those lyrics, but, but when we walk into our jobs, are we living that out? In other words, what exactly is trustworthy about that ocean that he could step on it? Nothing except that Jesus invited him out, and that Jesus' promises are worthy to stand on. Jesus' promises are more trustworthy than this ground. None of us are concerned right now that we're going to, like there's going to be a sinkhole, which, by the way, is another one of my fears. Have you seen those videos? You, you will end up for hours watching YouTube videos, watching sinkholes. Like they just kind of happen. One happened underneath a Corvette museum. And Corvettes went pouring into the soil. And it's like, no, you know, this is a terrible moment. None of us right now walked in here and been like, okay, I think we're good. I think we're, we can stay here, honey. I think it's trustworthy, right? We all have things that we, we, we struggle with trusting. But none of us, even for a second thought, this ground is going to give in. We trust it inherently. Jesus' promises are more trustworthy than the most solid, trustworthy physical ground you could stand on. Jesus, it is, it is, you are safer stepping out onto the ocean if Jesus calls you out than you are standing here out of God's will. That's a crazy thought. Now, that's my perspective, and you may not be there yet, and I want to challenge you to just to investigate that a little bit. But Jesus calls him out onto the ocean and he begins walking on the water. Jesus' promises are trustworthy for you to stand on. So that means, do you abide by God's principles or do you abide by the ones that you know will get you by? Do you abide when it's time to do that thing at work where you could kind of do something shady and make a little more money out of a deal? Do you do it because you need the money? Or do you trust God's promises? Do you trust God's promises with your relationships, with cheating people, with, with, with your, 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 your marriages, with, with your kids, with your jobs, with your finances? Do you trust God with everything? Do you trust God? It's, it seems crazy. It seems crazy to think that we could step out onto the water of trusting God with our finances or with, with our jobs or with our relationships to do them God's way, right? To literally say, this is my foundation, not what the world says. The world is going to paint a picture and has been painting a picture for a long time that goes counter to what is here. And I will place my life on God's word because it is firm. It's a firm foundation for us. 
But we need to remember that we need to trust his promises, not just our understanding of what's true. This goes back to Matthew 7, when Jesus tells a story about someone putting a house on sand and someone putting a house on rock. Right? This is a children's story, but sometimes we need to remember that some of us putting our house on rock, which is Jesus' word, God's word and his promises, is better than the sand of today's cultural ideas. Does that make sense? Um, so that's the third thing. The fourth thing is that Jesus, this is my favorite. I know I just said the third one was my favorite, but four just became my favorite just in the middle of a sermon, just like that. Jesus immediately rescues Peter, immediately. And it's right there in the scripture. Jesus immediately rescues Peter. Right? He says, oh, you of little faith. And I, I wish, this is the one part I wish that we'd have the audio version of like Jesus' recording of his voice. Like what, what was the tone of his voice there? Oh, you have little faith. Because there's, there's a difference, right? There's a difference between when your kids, like, could you please listen to me? And you're saying it in a calm tone. And then there's that tone where you're, like, gritting your teeth. You, could you please listen? You, like, you know, like, there's a difference between those two things. There's a difference between Jesus who's angry and I think Jesus who understands that anyone might have gotten that wrong. And I just don't think, I just don't think that Jesus is angry. Here. I, think of, uh, I think of Cohen, my one-year-old. If you haven't gotten a chance to meet him, you'll meet him. He's ornery. He's the most ornery kid in that whole kids' ministry, I guarantee. If there are 500 kids back there, he'd be the most ornery kid out of the whole kids' ministry. And every day, three times a day, he eats. He sits in his chair, and when he wants to, he throws food. This is what he does. And this is what children do because my five-year-old did it when he was that age and my three-year-old did it when he was that age. And there's a moment, and I've literally been looking at Christy every day and saying, there's going to be a day where he stops throwing food. This is going to be the day that he starts to grow up to become a man. This is the moment. This is literally the tipping point. I'm waiting for it. Like when he, because there's two things. He, when he's done, he starts throwing food. And, and every time he takes a sip of his water, and then what does he do? Swipe. And then it just goes flying. Right? And I'm like five times every meal, bending up, giving to him. He takes his and swipe. And I'm like, and he's one. And he's one. And Peter steps out onto the ocean. And I'm sure Jesus isn't like, you're an idiot. What were you thinking? I mean, looking at the waves, really? I'm right here. I just don't think that Jesus has that voice. I think that Jesus has the voice of a loving father that says, I, I know, I know your faith struggled. I know your fa- I was praying for you up on the mountain. And I know your faith struggled. But I'm here. I'm here. Right. I rescued you. I, um, I don't think that any of us will ever find a place in this life where we're truly not afraid of everything, or afraid of anything. And I know that there's people who like to bow up you know, and say, well, I'm not, I'm, not afraid, I'm not afraid of anything. You know, it's always that redneck with the wife beater. I'm not afraid. I ain't scared. You know, um, I can say that because half of my friends in, in the South, yeah. Um, I hope they didn't, don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> no, you have, everyone has that friend that you're like, I ain't scared of nothing. And, um, and, and I think that there's, there's an understanding that God has that we are frail and that he invites us to place our full trust in him.
right? In fact, there's verses that would say something so specific as perfect love casts out fear, 1 John. Perfect love, there's no fear in love, right? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I get it. There's Bible verses about it and everything. And guess what? I still, man, I still wake up in this human body, and I still, every morning, I have fears about this or that. Anyone else on that team? Am I all alone? Okay. I have fear. And I think, I just, I think that Jesus is saying, I'm constantly reminding you that I'm here. I'm calling you out to new miracles. I'm inviting you to step out into new miracles. And I'm here. And when you fall, I'm going to rescue you. Because what did Peter do wrong here? He had a moment where he lacked faith. Keep in mind, there were 11 other sissies in the boat who did not say, hey, Jesus, if it's you. Now, Peter was mouthy, and Peter was the guy who always went first, right? In every group of friends, there's that dude. Um, I was that dude as a teenager, right? And I would go out, and you learn a lot of lessons the hard way, right? Peter learned a lot of lessons the hard way. But there were 11 other dudes in the boat that did not say a peep, right? And Peter gets that moment. Ironically enough, who gets the chance to preach at Pentecost where 3,000 people would, would be saved? Peter, right? He does so much wrong, but he takes a step out there and exhibits faith in Jesus when all of us would probably shrink back and say, I'm just going to play it safe. That's me, by the way. I, I think I would play it safe. I think I'm in the boat. I think I'm, no, I, um, can we feed 5,000 people again tomorrow? Because that was awesome, right? And by the way, in the scriptures, people would come to him the next day and say, hey, can you do that again? And he would say, and then, by the way, yes, last week we talked about feeding the 5,000. That was like the biggest crowd he ever had. And then the next day in the scriptures, people come and say, hey, like, let's see you do another miracle. And this is where he thins the crowd out. He's like, you just want to see me do a miracle? That's, that's insane. I'm only doing this so that you know I'm, I'm your provision, that I'm God, that I'm the one that you can place your trust in. This is where the people, oh, so no miracle. All right, I'm going to go back home and do my life my way then. Right? There's very few people that would actually pay, place their trust in Jesus, even in the face, face of, of their fears. Faith, faith is not the absence of fear. I just think it's, I think it's that we understand that great faith is that knowing that God is bigger than any of our enemies, our obstacles, our fears. Faith is, faith is knowing that God is bigger. Fifth thing, the last thing, is that Jesus challenges us to trust his word when all we see are waves. Jesus challenges us to trust his word when all we see are waves. That's the, that's the clear principle, right? But this story isn't so much about the storms in our life, right? because the storms come and go, and they're different. But this is about who do we place our trust on? In. What do we place our trust? Because we all run to something. And this is, by the way, the part of the sermon where you have to do some kind of introspection, where you start thinking, what are those things that I run to? I mean, literally, I want you to think, as I'm talking, what are those things that I run to? Because here's what I run, like my forms of comfort, where Jesus is asking me to be his, like I, he's saying, I want to be your comfort. I want to be the place that you go to. Instead of Jesus, sometimes I run to, um, like, Food and Netflix. Right? Sometimes I run to the football game. Sometimes I run to um, 
some of us maybe run to right, that certain place or that relationship or that way of life. Remember, Jesus dies, and right before he rises again, what does Peter do? He says, I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go to that place that I know, that, that place that I am familiar with, the place that brings me comfort. The presence of the waves doesn't mean that Jesus is absent in this moment. The presence of the waves doesn't mean that Jesus is absent. Jesus is constantly inviting us to place our trust in him in different ways. Not just, by the way, this is not just a, I got saved and now, like, I put my trust in Jesus and now I go live the rest of my life. Like, that's an everyday thing, right? I, I feel like I get saved every morning when I'm like, okay, God, I'm, I'm putting my life at the altar. You do with it what you want, right? That's like, that's like having a gospel conversation in the mirror every morning, which I think is healthy. I, I don't do that, by the way. Don't, like, picture me like I wake up and I'm brushing my teeth. God, I want, you know, like, that's not happening in a real sense. But when we lay our lives on the altar before God every day, what we're saying is that we trust him in the midst of all the storms in our life right now. And that, that even though those storms tempt us to make some decisions that might not line up with his words and his promises, we're going to trust him. We're going to trust him. Whatever it is, we're going to trust him. I don't know what it is in your life, um, but I, I know that in my life, um, I've got storms. I know that when I listen to, there's a song called Oceans. If you're, if you're familiar with that song, um, there, there's a line that says, um, my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Right? It's not my faith will be made stronger in the boat, right? because this boat has a roof and air conditioning. But that would be nice. And by the way, we kind of have, we've gotten to that place in society where we, we kind of feel safe with our structures and our, you know, and like we don't have to ever um, do life in such a way that there's a whole lot of danger. We can lock our doors at night. We can... We can make enough money to take care of ourselves. There's not a lot of risk necessarily in our lives today. Um, back then, it was a little more obvious. They go out into the boat. They cross the other side. Right? There's this moment where Jesus invites. But what are the ways that Jesus is calling you to step out of your comfort zone and truly trust in him? To truly trust in him. My faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Not in the presence of my stuff that I run to to feel comfort. Not in the presence of my habits. Not in the, pre like my faith will be made stronger because why? Because God is with me. What did Jesus say? Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. What I'm going to do this week is I'm going to write those words down and I'm going to carry them around with me. Throughout the week, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. There will be something in your life. Simply because you're here, you're welcome. You're, you're like, you're hearing this message and something's going to pop up in your life and you're going to say, he was right. And Jesus is going to say, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. There's, um, there's, a, there's a movie coming out in November that I'm pretty excited about. And I don't know that if this is a safe place, I'll go ahead and, and let you know it's The Hunger Games, The Mockingjay Part 2. Is it okay for a guy to be a fan of Mockingjay? And, okay, all right, good. Right. 
It's not, um, it's not like Twilight or anything like that. <laughs> That's over the line. Um, so I like, I like this movie. Um, I, I, I brought a picture, actually, of Katniss. Katniss is an interesting figure, if you've seen this. And by the way, this isn't going to be any spoilers because it's from, like, the first movie. And if you haven't seen it yet, I'm sorry. It's been a couple years. You had your chance. So Katniss is it. This is, like, towards the middle of the movie where... Um, if you don't know the story of, of the Hunger Games, there's this <laughs> weird world that they live in. It's post, like, it, it's, it's America, right? But it's after everything goes bad, apparently, right? Because things aren't bad yet. This is bad. Um, so there's this, this system where they, they, once a year, they send people into what's called the Hunger Games, and ch- children go to war against each other. That's my nice way of saying it, because I remember that our, we've got some mixed audience here. Children, they, 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 they have to come out winning a certain way. We'll put it that way. She is in this glass tube, and she's having this moment with Lenny Kravitz, right? Cinna. <laughs> and, um, and, and it's like comforting, but then all of a sudden, um, you hear 20, 19, 18, and you, and, and you see this look on her face. And this look strikes fear in us because she knows what's about to happen, right? Or actually, she doesn't. Like, she doesn't know exactly what she's going to see, what she's going to experience, how, like, what the people are, are going to be positioned in, what kind of environment it's going to be. And in just a minute, she's going to race to the top, and there's going to be a battle. She's afraid because she's about to walk into the toughest part of her life. Now, if you'll show the next picture, um, please. You see this? This is after she wins the games. Spoiler. Um, and, uh, right, this, and this illustration is going to fail a little bit because the first movie, there's some other problems coming along. But, but you see her, like, smiling, like everything is all well. And apparently two of them came out alive. And um, you see her smiling. Why? Everything's good, Right? Again, the illustration fails. If you've seen the movies, read the books. Everything is not good. But she is out of the games, at least, right? And she is supposed to not have to go back in. And so, like, life in that sense is good. But isn't it true that on the other end, like on the, at the other end of the finish line of a storm, we kind of have this thing going on, right? But as we're walking into it, and it makes sense that we would have some fear, But understand this, and as we close, I'll have Sean and Julie come up and and lead us in worship um, to to, to close us out. But if you understand that there is a difference between the starting line and the finishing line, in the Christian world, we should understand that, that we fight from victory, not for victory. And we, we, we should fight with that finish line mindset. Why? Because Ephesians 2.10 would say this, that we are God's workmanship, that he created us for good works, which he pre- prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. Right? What does God see? God sees all. God sees the, the beginning and the end. He is the beginning and the end. He sees all. And he sees us post-Hunger Games, and says, See, I promised. I told you, if you would just trust me, I promised. And I wonder what it would take for us 
to get to a place where we would trust Jesus with everything in our life so that we could see God move in our life in a new and a fresh way. I think that we'd see the impossible happen. I think that if, that if we would just pause in our lives long enough to, to see Jesus walking out to us on the water and say, would you, would you call me out if it's you? And Jesus has come. Like, how many of us step out? And if it's in our jobs, if it's in our homes, if it's with, with our relationship, whatever. Whatever it's, it is in your life. What area, this is the big question that I want you to think about. What area is God asking for your trust today? What area in your life is God asking you to lay down your understanding of what's true and to trust in his promises when all that you see is water? And you know that you can't walk on that, but Jesus says that you can walk on that. When Jesus is inviting you to step out into trusting him in terrible odds, will you do it? What is that area? While they're leading worship, we're going to take up an offering in just a minute. Not quite yet. I want to take some, some time to reflect on what it is. I've got stuff to reflect on. I hope you have stuff to reflect on. But if you want to talk, we can do so after. If you want to take a minute just to silently reflect and pray, we can do that. But let's just take this moment and give God all of our hearts.